That wizard came from the moon. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers that toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, we talk tailgating and Titanfall 2, and look at games for friends with crappy PCs. Risk of Rain 2 looks like a hot little number, and Mary Jane talks the champagne of cannabis. Let's take a look at games coming up through the end of April, and just in time for 420, Netflix gets sticky around the history of the real sticky icky in their new documentary, Grass is Greener. We'll also be settling in for our smoke sesh, so stick around for that, because it's going to be a good good time i'm your host andy and with me as always is the one the only the dankest of dank dank dan andy i've saved up exactly three hundred thousand six hundred and ninety four coupon tops for my zap brandigan crunchios and i've sent away for my own thermonuclear powered mech assault vehicle tell me do you think i need a special license for that or well you may need some special rubber pants, but uh, a license? Likely not. Good, good. Rubber pants I have. I mean, I do <laughs> come to your yearly dinner parties. This is uh, something I know. This is something I know, and I appreciate you not making a mess on the hardwood. Anytime, buddy. How's it going, Dan? What's going on? Oh, I'm a little sniffled up in my pipples here, and uh, I'm sipping on some ginger tea, and I'm hopefully not, not going to snook too much on the, uh, on the old radio phone here. Because uh, I'll have to edit it out, and that's no fun for me, specifically Yeah. Me. Now, I'm really, really fond of the fact that you're doing editing on the podcast now, because it means I can do things like... Oh, worst. And, uh, and yeah, everybody has to now, uh, deal with it. Do I and leave, everybody is you. Do I leave that in so people know you did a thing there, or do I edit something hilarious in there? I think you chop up my words so that uh, everything I say throughout this podcast sounds like the Lord's name or Lord's prayer backwards. Let me make a thing. Hail Satan. Okay, got it. <laughs> I think that's the second time today we've said hail Satan. That's <laughs> just can't be seems good. to be a theme. No, can't it can't be good. be good. Can't be good. Nothing like waking up in the morning and doing a couple of hail Satans. I like to play it right down the middle. I don't. I don't want to tap any uh, any deities or devils i just want to go about my business unimpeded you know what i mean i feel like once you get involved it's like you know whether you're in the fbi or working with the mob there's just there's bullets whizzing past you skip it give it a good strong skip yeah yeah it's like payday loans same thing as getting in bed with demons oh here's a hundred bucks it's only gonna cost you 20 and 20 doesn't seem like a lot of money until until you owe 120 bucks Till it's time to get a cash advance on that next paycheck, and that's oh. another twenty. Uh, it's um, uh, John Oliver did a, a big review on this, and the handbook explains how people get. Um, let's not the word they were not caught involved in a buying cycle with payday yes. loans. Customers right. for life. Yes. Well, um, I'd love to sneer down my nose at payday loans, but I too have a credit card, so uh, 
gotcha me. Touche. A credit card feels like power, but I mean, it's the same thing. It's uh, it's the I'll gladly pay you tomorrow for a cheeseburger today. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, you know, credit cards are a fascinating beast because the entire civilized world requires you to use them. Uh, some might say by design, because <laughs> I keep trying to not use my credit card. See what happens in my life at specific junctures is I just pay my credit card off and I go, oh, I'm not going to use that again. Done. Why would I do that? Done. Yeah, We're done. Credit here. card's done. And then, you know, at some point, something or someone is like, well, how are you going to pay your bills? No, I, yeah, we, no, we're not going to preauthorize withdraw your, your bank account because, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. So just go ahead and pay us by credit card. Okay, well, how about a check? Nope. We'll need a credit card for this one, big guy, big boy. You know Aren't you a big this? boy with a credit card? Working with the mob. Oh, wait, that's back to the start again, because those guys, they just do suitcases full of cash. You're right. Like, there's companies that pretend like you don't exist if you don't have a credit card. Like, if you're trying to rent a car or book a hotel, you're like, I'd like a room. They're like, okay, can I have your credit card number? You're like, oh, I don't have one of those. They're like... I'm sorry, I can't hear anymore. I'm slowly hanging up. Goodbye. It's true. You need to book a hotel and it's like, oh, yeah, no, that's fine. You don't have a credit card. Can you please give us a $4,000 cash deposit? What do you mean a $4,000 cash deposit? We like, need enough even cash to thing? reconstruct the room if you say uh, destroy it dimensionally or set it ablaze. Well, there's a judgment call made there that this freak doesn't have a credit card. He must be a vagabond. Like, will a note, will a note from my mom work like is do you really need me to have a financial daddy because isn't that like what a credit card is it's like a financial daddy like come to me when you want money for for old dank dan he's he's not good for it but i am no he's a real mean daddy that charges a lot of interest though and this is the thing is so like you're like okay begrudgingly need to go ahead and get myself a credit card but then you know you're the kind of person who's not fond of (laughs) 24% 24% interest charges so you end up getting one of these low interest cards with your bank and somehow they managed to find whatever the ugliest pattern available to make you look like a real jackass when you're paying with it like my credit card right now is 11.9%. I'm okay with that, but it's got bubbles on it. They put bubbles on my credit card. Can't you make me feel like a man when I'm paying for something without having to pay 24% for the fancy matte black one? Like it's emblazoned with with bubbles? Yeah. Are they multicolored? No, they're just like the most boring gray looking. And like, it looks like a cheap credit card. It looks like, oh, you just got this off your university campus, didn't you? You know, like, man, I'm a grown ass man. Just because I don't want to pay 24%. Don't give me this hogwash. Like, you might as well put Mickey Mouse on my credit card. My one, my that one credit card just broke up with me. They're like, um, so we're just we're no longer the Blue Jays Mastercard, so we're just gonna give you a red one with a maple leaf on it. I'm like, no, we're not. I'm not endorsed by the Blue Jays anymore. They're like, no, and I'm like, I've lost uh, something here. I've gone from a national, a major league baseball sponsored credit card guy to just generic Canadian. Dang Dan. Canadian dang dang. Well, this is it, man. I mean, I, you know, I've gone through a couple of these budget cards because, again, I just I don't get behind loyalty programs, really. They don't get me going. And I know I'm going to get dinged for that interest at some point because I'm a normal human. Uh, and sometimes I don't pay my credit card bill every month. And so, the, I, I, like, I've been through yellow ones. Like, Canadian Tire gave me a fluorescent yellow MasterCard. And when that thing's sitting in your wallet and you're going to pay with people who are, like, you know, professionals. <laughs> They look at you like you have 50 heads. Like, I'm sorry, what are you paying with there? 
Oh yeah, no, this it, is a good financial decision, but I have to feel like a real asshole about it. Does it sing when you pull it out? Like, does it play like one of those tunes, like a a greeting card? Oh, it might as well. Might as well. Yeah, I mean, it might as well have every time you use this card, you know, come into Chuck E. Cheese for a f- free slice of pizza printed right on the front. <laughs> this is. Uh, I got this free with my super soaker. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, in future America, super soakers will come with credit cards. Let me, especially let me tell you, we're not far off. Especially when they're filled with cat pee. That's the real yeah. super soaker over there. I, I got I to ask you. Now, you travel the States more often. Do they have the insert method for Interact now? Is that a thing? Mm. Uh, mm. Really trying not, mm, trying hard not to say. Just mm, you'd have to ask your be mother. Strong. Be strong. Oh God, it hurts. Um, yeah, they've they've got uh, they've got the insert. They've got the insert method down in the states. Because it, it's you know it used to be a swipe, right? We you know a quick swipe, maybe a tap, but now you know the checkout lady looks me dead in the eyes and says, "Insert." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to put your card in there, and it's on display for all to see. And if, and you, like, if you're rocking just, a, we just met. Lady, she's like, I said insert. I'm like, okay, I'm crying a little. <laughs> You're always crying a little. That's right. Um, yeah, so anyway, I don't know where, how we got on the topic of credit cards, but uh, this is the Purple Dungeon Squid Podcast, the podcast about weed, video games, and master APR financing. <laughs> and RFID transactions. I think we all want to go home now. <laughs> <laughs> Just shut it down. <laughs> It's just slowly back away, slowly back away. Um, what have you been up to, Dan? What's going on in your neck of the woods? Oh, not much. I, I was have created some runway for myself and, and went down my list and, and popped in some uh, some games I've been meaning to play. And, and uh, I'm excited to, to let you know the results of, of those findings. It's uh, some tantalizing titles. Yeah, man. I actually have been doing the same thing. Um, I've got a big pile of PlayStation 4 games upstairs that uh, that I haven't worked my way through. I actually just picked out Burnout Paradise, which I have not popped in the tray yet. But I got to say, that box, that game box, that Miami Vice-looking pastel-y motor car situation on the front forgives all sins that are inside. I hear it's a good game, but even if it wasn't, I'd buy it for the box. I, I like when a book can still sell uh, the contents, the cover. The cover can still sell the contents. All, all I need is... Some stiff cover art, and we're in business. I feel like there have been games that I've purchased. More often than not, it's like a Japanese animation-style game that I've purchased just because the cover art was good. It's the kind of game that, like, you're you're scrolling through, like, uh, a third, like, some sort of review website or some other nebulous corner of the interwebs that's, you know, rife with keywords and search engine optimization. And, you know, every f- paragraph, there's an ad for an app-based game. And you know every single one of those apps is terrible. They're all bad games. They're all going to waste your data, waste your space, and waste your time. But every now and again, there's one with just the right combination of, you know, pastel-y, quasi-fantasy, you know, innocent-looking young uh, protagonists that you just you, you click and download. And it's I've always noti- a bad idea. I've noticed for the free-to-play games, they've gone with a theme of a man like shouting on the cover he's like on the cover it's just a dude shouting and you're like what is he shouting about i need to know what's what's the level of action that's got him just so jazzed and then you hit whoop whoop and then there's gems to buy and a that's waiting it. shouting because he sees his uh credit card statement after playing that game for two weeks how much 
how many gems did I buy in my quest for the panda unit? Yeah, it's uh, they always it's have the serious. best sounds though. They want your brain to be tickled with their the audio sensation. There's there's ching noises. There's sounds of Trump triumphant trumpets. There's like five level ups in the first minute, and you're just like, I'm doing so well. How can I stop? You want gems? Well, I've got a credit card for that. There's bananas on it. Oh yeah, man! They open up the Gatling gun of dopamine. That's like the first ten minutes of any of any of the free to play games. You get in and you go from like, please make your you know peasant character to I just had six hundred items drop in the span of thirty seconds. I'm a god now, and uh, and that's pretty much your experience. Uh, and I mean, how can you back away from a game that made you a god in such a short amount of time? You must be doing something right. They block you out of PvP till like whatever the equivalent of level 10 is, because if you're to drop into PvP, you you get stuck with a whale. He's he spent 40 grand on his on his setup and he just like on his mount. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> he spent 40 grand on his limited edition mount of Dick Cheney. His mount ha- has the same uh, agent as Heidi Montag. And he's got to shoot with Vogue later, and he instantly kills you with horse horse stare. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good, man. That's pretty. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. Well, free to play games. Well, that, that's where I don't know how we got there. Uh, da, 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 da. Walk me back to what you were saying that was important about your life. There's- my life. My life is inconsequential. <laughs> Jesus. The details of my life. Um. <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Playing a big pile of games, uh, video game art on covers. Um, yeah. Speaking of video games that have uh, that have tantalizing uh, content and have been sitting on the top of a pile for a little while, I also picked up um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is uh, just, yeah, first couple minutes into it. So, that, you know, that'll probably be a future episode to chat about. But, man, what a friggin' sweet game. Like, and it's Greek, too. And I got I got Greek roots, so I can appreciate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... Uh they have such a, a wide breadth of games, and uh, boy, they they know what they're doing now. How much of how much have you played? Just dipped a toe in, or you got up to the ankle? No, no, just just uh, dipped the toe in enough to know that you know this is a quasi Bioware-y uh, RPG uh, veneer over top of the Assassin's Creed that you've known and loved, and you know it means you get all the Assassin's Creed action and some decent story, but there's also that RPG element, which means you can find love. We are in Greece, so it could be with a sheep, but we'll find oh, out. No. Oh no! Uh, and there's levels in this game, then, like like numbered levels, right? Uh no, no. Do you, is no. this the one you get to pick characters? Like, can be a lady or a gentleman, or am I way off base? Excuse me. When you say levels, you mean character levels, and yeah, you're buddy. absolutely correct. I, I envisioned for some reason I had a small aneurysm and was thinking like, like Mario levels. level one like one Mario. Welcome to <laughs> world three dash one Sparta. Stages does it have stages handy? Stages. That's Do right. I get bonus Stage points hands. at the end? Yeah, yeah. You jump high enough, hit the baton, get the mm-hmm. get the payout. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're like, let me start at the the. Let me start off with the assumption that Dank Dan is a moron. <laughs> let me work forward from there. Start, like I'm like Assassin's Creed is a type of platformer. Dan has not purchased a, a gaming system since the Genesis Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm, his. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's his home rig. He's working hard on Aladdin right now. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon that- he'll uh, he'll beat Jafar. Buddy, Aladdin's no joke. It's it's no, one Aladdin's of the tougher the ones. Thing. It's like mm. uh, I'm gonna leave a note to my kids with like the Lion King, and it's gonna be like, "Hey, oh. I'll give you a hundred bucks if you can beat this game." There's only four buttons. How hard could it be? Oh yeah, no, the Lion King for PC was actually remarkably more difficult. I think we've talked about this before, but that game yeah. has some has some teeth, man. 
Level two you... will ruin your life. Mm. Oh, Those giraffes God. are unforgiving. Unforgiving. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about what's that Sekiro? The game that came out Sekiro. recently. One like Sekiro. Shadows die deuce. Let me just say one one thing. Sekiro, you got absolutely fucking nothing on the Lion King. Now, that mm-hmm. game will shred your soul. Uh, you know, uh, Sekiro's got some great, you know, Japanese sounds. It's authentic. Somebody might be eviscerating you with a 12-foot katana. But do they have a snooty giraffe sending you to your doom all while a happy theme song plays in opposition to your death? Do you yeah, know what I mean? Bong- there's some bongos in the background uh, while you die. Mm-hmm. And, and the hippos, they don't they don't care. They don't nope. care about you. Nah. Now they're nothing but glorified stepping rocks. Um, speaking of things that live in the water, I've been traveling the world with a backpack filled with tuna. This oh. is, uh, I, had, I had to share this with you because I believe it's my newest life hack. Um, I struggle to get enough protein in a day, and I've discovered that tuna is almost 100% protein. So... This was a revolution for me. Uh, I've, I've since started loading my work backpack with the necessities, my switch, uh, my laptop, and about 50 pouches of tuna. And I thought this was a great idea because no matter where I travel, I've got food. But turns out that shit is heavy, man. I was walking around in, uh, in Calgary recently and just realized how badly my back hurt. And it's because I'm carting around about 24 pounds of tuna everywhere I go these days. That that's that's like an unreasonable amount of fish to have on one person. I had to get it off my chest at some point. <laughs> it's just like this is probably the most uh, inefficient thing I've ever done as a human being. Um, but let me tell you something about a pouch of tuna: twenty-one grams of protein, straight to the bottom line. Is what that is. Yeah, I mean, as a protein delivery system, it's good. Also, if you want to make sure that no one stands within ten feet of you, it's another—it's a good work uh, method for that too. Like, like a human repellent. Well, that's true, and especially because I've been on a lot of airplanes and oh, like you're long not that flights, guy. like four or five hours. And actually, I wasn't that guy to start. I was like, okay, dude, you're not opening tuna on a plane. That's just egregious. Did you open tuna on a plane? But I got hungry like hour two, and I needed have protein, a, and I looked at have the, a pretzel, dude, I, dude. Come on, I looked at the in-flight menu, and that's what it was. It was pretzels and Kit Kats and Swedish berries, and you know, one of those healthy sandwiches with like chicken and avocado in it. But it's not actually healthy because it's got like eight hundred pounds of mayonnaise and other associated crap on it. So Let you're me- eating healthy, but you're not eating healthy. It's just it's a maddening experience. So I reached for my my pack of tuna, and and everybody. Everybody hated me, Dan. Everybody uh, hated me so much. Let me talk to you about the, the the top villains on a plane. And here's in the order. At the lowest, person with the screaming baby. Now, listen, it's not their fault. They can't make the baby stop crying. But they're anathema to everyone around them. Right? I, I don't know how to solve for that. But there there you go. Right above them is baby shark. That's a guy that it. takes his shoes off. Now, not only does he take his shoes off, but his feet stink. You are on a plane, not in the back of a Greyhound bus. Stop this, you monster. And then right above tell you, him... You haven't, you haven't flown on enough planes. I take my shoes off every time. I bet you do, you <laughs> garbage person. And then right every at the top, time. the total war criminal opens up tuna he brought from home on the plane in a, a sealed, pressurized vessel, you war criminal. Oh, man, the Mussolini of snacks. You should be banned from all airfare for forevermore. They should make one tuna plane for tuna people 
per year and you have to decide as a consensus where you're going and other than that you are land born from from and sent from whence you came holy hannah now on a on a another extremely serious note how many cans of tuna are you putting down a week there home slice yeah enough for my like most of my constitution to be made of mercury at this point yeah, it's there's a actually a litany of heavy metals inside of tuna. Like I would, uh, I probably pump the brakes. Like there's actually the Surgeon General says to limit yourself to one a week. Oh yeah, I got one an hour down. As <laughs> like hey, it, you know, it literally is like you very well may be suffering dementia right now. This explains a lot, actually. <laughs> Explains like a lot. It, 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 it is a real it is the real deal like uh, I do do a quick googs and then maybe uh, get yourself some white fish instead because you're you're eating from the top of the food chain buddy and uh, yeah you're you're probably as mad as a hatter at this point it, in fact the fact that you thought it was uh, workable to open that can of tuna with other humans stuck in a cylinder with you for 8 10 12 hours that nah, I'm questioning your judgment well, you listen here uh, Stephen. R- Steven, rank steven correct yeah that's right <laughs> you settle down like you i think it's right more down. acceptable to drop a full load in your pants in an elevator than it is to crack a, a, a like a, a tube of fish guts well naturally that's how you assert dominance um yeah, that's right. anyway messing with that guy no indeed we should probably move to the sponsors one last quick question though uh game of thrones damn it's out it's happening it's all happening you uh you staying current i'm i'm already behind i'm already behind okay spoilers they they make they make a, a pig king a hog. oh nice like a peking duck like a pig king duck no that's a peking duck like total, the orange the orange chicken total hogwash nothing brings together a, a fragmented kingdom than some orange chicken this episode of purple dungeon squid is brought to us by Weed and Video Games. Weed and Video Games, thank you. Thank you for being there. And also brought to you by Dank Dan. Sorry? We, 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 brought, brought to you by... I'm, I, I'm not seeing the sponsors on the show notes, dude. <laughs> yeah, they're not there. Huh. Huh. Well, looks like it this week it was brought to you by nothing. Nothing. <laughs> when you forget to do things, nothing happens. When your heart is made of stone. When your heart is made of gold and stone. When there's enough time. mercury in your brought to you by heavy metal poisoning. But, the to- gift that keeps on giving. Oh, I Do you remember the faces again. of your children? No, you don't. Brought to you by heavy metal poisoning. <laughs> brought to you by the- opening a container of fish on a plane are you worse than hitler probably dad brought to you by peking duck it's the thing that'll get bring the game of thrones cast back together again to say hey we can share this this particular throne made of sorts it's not even that comfortable <laughs> it's not even that comfortable no, that is uh, that is for sure. That is for Brought sure. Brought to you down. by your hacked switch. Oh, you immediately got permabanned. Back to start. Yeah. All right. Well, if you uh, actually want to sponsor the podcast, contact us at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. Ooh, Dan, Dan, Dan. Dan, guess what? What? It is uh, today, 
April 16th, which means our favorite stoner holiday, 420, the big 420, is coming up in a little less than three days of record time. Yeah, just around the corner. Now, in typical stoner fashion, we forgot. We We totally forgot. We planned absolutely nothing. Pants Mm -hmm. down, on my ankles, around my ankles, maybe even on my head. Sometimes Uh, that's where my plan starts. Step one, drop them. Oh, I mean, that works. <laughs> that's everywhere. the noise. That, that's step two. Oh, that works on the street. That works in prison. Works, works everywhere. With the meat, the meet and greet. Duh. Duh. Next time I'm invited to a meet and greet, if you're involved, I'm out. That's M E A T. Wink. Oh, boy. Put that on a business card. And into um, a biscuit. Mmm. Bake it in a pie. Anyhow. 420 is uh, is an important holiday. day. Very important. But unfortunately, we have nothing planned, my good friends. So we will actually be doing a live show. And when I say live, I mean exactly like this one, pre-recorded and not live. Not live. And then we will be at a later date. We will be alive. Li- getting be live. Getting live. Getting live and lit on the podcast when I make my uh, tour to Amsterdam. Live so lit. I'll be, dip, dip, potato chip. I'll be in the dam live, alive. Uh, and we'll be talking about what we did on 420, but like first cut, and I'm going to jump out of the bushes at you on this one, Dan, first yeah. cut, got any big plans for uh, the 420? Well, it is the Lord's day, so I will be going, uh, to early mass and then afternoon mass and then late mass, uh, and then in quiet prayer. Um, no, I, uh, I will probably be, uh, the thing about 420 is it's my Papagio's birthday. My dad's oh, uh, bon anniversaire. So uh, I don't think we'll you can give something. birth to Dank Dan unless your birthday is on 420. It's the convergence of of the moon and the sun, and I mean it's also I, uh, I mean, he did he didn't give birth. He contributed to birth. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. Let me just say yes. I uh, I love. When couples are like, we're pregnant. I, and I always turn them on, I'm like, which one? <laughs> <laughs> Is it you? Is it, who knows? Um, anyway, that's cool. People are. You must be a real, like must be a real hit with serious adults. Oh, I you, must invite you, you know that everywhere. I am. Boy, yeah. are we going to end up stucking about talking about mortgages and our credit cards? Womp, womp. No, yeah. but uh, <laughs> no another that. thing. About 420 is, uh, buddy, I'm all, I'm all about, uh, wrapping one up and getting into nature. And, and luckily, uh, my, my, my pops is, uh, close to, uh, a national park. So we, uh, we, we will, we will roll up a canon and get in a canoe and, uh, and make it work, buddy. How about yourself? I think we need a button to press or a sound effect to play every time someone makes a euphemism happen. Like wrapping one up and getting into nature is just too good, really, to to bypass. That needs like a like a chime, like a ding. Our podcast like little, would be fifty percent chimes. It would, call, would it would be called chimes with Andy and in. It would be like it would be like a church choir at Christmas. Yeah, understood. I asked and answered. Asked and answered. Um, Four twenty will see me um, hitting up uh, one of the new cannabis retail stores that's opening here in Ontario. That I'm pretty pumped out. I'll be hitting up a grand opening event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I expect mm-hmm. there to be plenty of weed for purchase, and pro- I'm excited you're about You're protesting that. the store because of your conservative yes. values? That's right. Yeah, I'll be there I with a big it. sign. A big sign. Here's the twist. It's a big sign, and uh, it says, no weed, 
And then you push a button and a little little flap pops out and it says, no weed left. And then the whole sign turns Boom, into a bomb. Boom, sold out. Dun, 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 dun. Dang it. <laughs> exactly. And then a big Andy, plume of smoke. Exit stage right. In my head canon, if you were uh, in in truth a conservative prude, uh, what what would your what would your made up objection to to uh, to cannabis be? Uh, I, that's I, wait, ugh. let me mm. let me lead with mine. Oh sure, no more weed. It turns your dog into a communist. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, Secondhand weed uh, smokes turn dogs into communists. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, wish I was as funny as you, Dan, but we'll have to leave it at dogs and communism. Yours just says weed. No, thanks. No, thanks. Strong, no, thank strong, strong Christian household here. No, no, thank you. That's enough. Yeah. 420 is going to be a good one. It's going to be a nice 420. Um, but I'm actually looking forward to two days after 420 when I when I leave for for weed Mecca of, uh, you know, the Netherlands. And spend a little bit of time in the coffee shop out there. So, um, yeah, I'll be looking forward to broadcasting. And um, also, well, it's not really broad. It's pretty narrow. It's just to you. So there's that. Um, I love that. Narrow cast, single cast. Andy, I want to present you a challenge. Podcasting, in fact. In tradition of uh, challenges issued on the podcast, here's my challenge. 420 is like reverse Christmas. It's like Christmas for adults in many ways. um, Right. Because there's greenery involved and there's Yuletide and there's merriment. And I mean, the kids don't get to partake because, oh, they're tender brains. So here is the challenge, Andy. I want you to keep the dream of uh, and realness of Christmas alive for your progeny, your children, up until they can participate in 420. So till they're roughly, what do we say, 21, 22, 25? Mm. This is, this you, is you can feather it. home. You think you can feather it? What's in it for you? A 51 Corvette. Yeah. Leave All that right. with me. Let's just talk about, let's just talk about gently exiting my most cherished family uh, tradition. I, I picture uh, like somebody uh, achieving their master's degree and uh, thanking their family, their God and Santa for the oh. the trapper keeper they gave them that year. <laughs> Listen, man, if I can have my kids believing in Santa until they're 25, I'm the best dad ever. The best and dad around ever. 20, around 21, that may require some weed. <laughs> right. You're like, I'm going to break this to you gently. <laughs> I don't know. You just start feeding them the cookies at Christmas time. That's all you got to do. That's, you start letting them have some, too. And then Santa can be alive all over again. Listen, I have good news and I have bad news. You have a new Santa. His name is Robert Marley. Oh. <laughs> Hey, ho, 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 man. That's, no, please, never again. Uh, the, I like what you did there. That was really good. Oh, <laughs> uh, three little reindeer. Yeah. Anyway. Um, what do you got for us, Andy? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, man. Well, I've been playing video games, so that's <laughs> good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Switch, which is kind of awkward a little bit because, you know, I go on these plane rides and I'm next to business people. And I, you never, I never, I always do the little, and I'm ashamed to admit it, but I always do the little scope around to see if there's anybody who might, you know, have a, have a, uh, a lesser opinion of me for sitting there like a, you know, like a gamer playing my games. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm a self-conscious person, but right I'm a, on your left you know, hand, you have your switch on your right hand. You're balancing your half eaten can of tuna and thinking, I hope no one judges me for playing my video games. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, the stink eye is definitely for the tuna and not for the... But, like, it's maybe just a little bit of inner guilt, right? Because, yeah. you make no mistake, I work very hard. I'm a hard-working hard. guy. And hard so working. I already have a little bit of that built-in guilt for taking any moments of time to do something other than laptop. But you get on that plane, and next to you is Harvey... You know, he's the he's the Procter and Gamble executive from Minnesota, and he's working on a presentation to his working group. And on your right, you've got Liz and she's like just developed a new cereal for Kellogg's. And they're both sitting there in their suits on an airplane that's six hours long. And you're like, why are you wearing a suit when I'm wearing sweatpants? Because in like 13 seconds, you're going to be sweating through your friggin whole life. Well, and, Harvey and, and Lisa then, are also working on stomach ulcers. Let's be clear about that. Great case. KPIs, bad stomach lining. Bad stomach lining, yeah. And so, you know, at that moment in time, it feels like a little bit of a like a little bit of a fuck you to corporate America to pull out my switch and be like, I'm just gonna sit here, eat my tuna, and play some Smash Bros, bro. What are you I'm gonna the next do? generation? <laughs> Welcome to Millennial Town, dog. Population, me, definitely not you. Did you want some tuna? <laughs> can, I, can I get you can I get you a tuna? No cracker though, some too many tuna cars. flake? Yeah, just straight tune. Just the tune master. Tune master T. Um anyway, so been playing a lot of Smash Bros. Uh talked about it in a previous episode, but man, that game is good. Damn. Man, like just uh I'm all, I'm about three quarters of the way through the campaign right now. Um I've unlocked uh through both random so you can unlock in the the campaign play as well as unlock during normal gameplay um and i've locked most of the roster so my you know uh two three four player matches are always a blast and then i'm about three quarters of the way through the campaign which is just fun man it's good clean fun you know new stages to play new characters to defeat different fun ways of leveraging that platformerness that is super smash bros um and you know that simple fighter deliciousness so yeah i mean lots to love there so that's what it's been taking up most of my time uh, have you had a chance to play it yet by the way no no my i my switch has not been picked up in a little bit i've been been straight straight titanfall 2 buddy oh yeah no i got you and that's that's understandable and i'm sure we'll chat about that in a little bit um you know i've been trying to get more gaming in with like friends and associates and the challenge is this <laughs> like i know it's a weird everyone weird that is in that column would be hurt to know they're in that column <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's like, oh, come on, man. Dude, I'm an associate? Come I on. opened that can of tuna for you on the plane. Everyone looked at me and they're like, don't do it. Yeah. And I did it. Well, listen, Jerry's one of the little people, you know. Uh, no offense to, you know, mythical Jerry. Uh, we love you, Jerry. He is in my, we love you, Jer. Jer Bear. We love you, Jer. Key player. JB, key player. Player in the game. Uh, the, my main associate. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, so... I've been thinking on this topic for quite some time because, again, I have this fantasy. I don't know where in my life this is going to actually happen. It's quite wishful thinking. But my fantasy is that I have, you know, my group, my group of friends, when we can all get together, uh, both remotely and in person, just jam out on an MMO. Hasn't happened for me in like 15 years. Since the beginning of World of Warcraft, spent a lot of time driving over to friends' houses with my whole computer monitor and, and tower, setting up for like, 80 hours of uninterrupted World of Warcraft and playing the shit out of that. The challenge is, is these days, everybody I know, including myself, is rocking nothing but a work laptop, right? We're all in work laptop mode. And so I've been looking at games from my past to figure out how this possibility could come together because I need a game that is both massively multiplayer as well as 
you know, pretty old school and low system specs in order to get everybody on the same page. You gather? Yeah, so you can make that Celeron, that Celeron sing. Yeah, got to make, you know, Bobby over there, he's still rocking a ThinkPad because, you know, IT hasn't gotten the new wave of laptops in yet. So if Bobby wants to play, we got to rock like RuneScape level graphics. You know what I mean? So I'm going back in time and digging up some of the games um, from my past and, and maybe even some that, ha- that have kind of passed me by. And I just wanted to run them by you, see if you, uh, if you had participated and maybe you can give me some, some feedback on which one you think would be the most fun to inject in this probably fictional scenario. Cause Lord knows when it's going to actually happen, but I'm uh, down. Rune- yeah. RuneScape was the first one that came to mind. Um, have you at all paid attention? Like, did you ever play and have you paid any attention to what's happened to that game in the last few years? So I need to duck under a bridge when I say this. I have never Rune Escaped ever. I mean, probably for the best. Um, so I had a good friend in, I, I want to say 10th grade. This is back original RuneScape, um, even before old school RuneScape, I want to say. And it was that tender age. You know him. Good friend of ours. Starts with a J, ends with an O-E. Uh, Mr. J-Dubs. Mr. J, J-W, J-W. At that moment in time, it was a tender age, man. You're trying to establish yourself, you know, mid-grade nine, early grade 10, you know, trying to make trying to make the girl thing happen, trying mm-hmm. to make the not being a total loser thing happen, trying to hit mm-hmm. up those early parties where, like, you're sneaking beers and stuff and maybe having yeah. a puff of the old devil's lettuce here and there. Just and a little hoot. Just a little hoot. Just, just enough so you don't just smell. Just a little snootful. Just a little snootful. Um, and I can remember going to a party with my my buddy, and he had been on this RuneScape kick for like 18 weeks solid. Like, had not seen the guy who was playing so much RuneScape. And I had tried to get into it a bit with him. It, it's never been my favorite game. The point and clicky, it just feels clumsy and it's super grindy. It's The whole game is basically grinding skills until you die, right? Um, but... I digress. At this party, he wouldn't stop bringing up RuneScape. I think he got really intoxicated and just kept telling everybody about what a badass he is on RuneScape and how his ultimate goal is to be first on the server. And so, like, I had a real challenge because I'm I'm trying to look cool here, man. This is my buddy who I brought to the party. All he can talk about is RuneScape. It was a real evening. But it turns out this, like, you know, this self-imposed anxiety worked out the opposite way for me because he was a real hit at the party (laughs) people were really into runescape guy i think at the end of the night people were like chanting runescape along with him we were all pretty drunk but um but yeah so uh, runescape has an interesting place in my heart both as a feeling of deep guilt for judging my friend and also uh some strange memories unashamedly about what he's about and listen, we've all been there. You've dove into something new. You've, you've been all about it for a couple of weeks. And you're like, don't say RuneScape. Don't say RuneScape. And then you say another thing about RuneScape. And I was there with working out. And uh, my buddy turns to me. He's like, the next thing you're going to say, it's about a bench press. Isn't? And I'm like, it was going to be about a bench press. He's like, can we fast forward? Can you give me a break? Can we do this next hangout? I'm like, I get it, man. I'm sorry. Because your brain is just loaded with that. And uh, you got to be careful. You know, I... Uh, this comes up with professional hockey players and, and golfers amazing at what they do, but then you get them on the mic and they're like, uh, we came to win, uh, you know, puck, puck in the net d- d- defense. Like it's just, it's all that's up there is hockey. They go, they yeah. open a file of things to say. It just says hockey. Right. Yeah. I didn't know exactly that experience. Um, anyway, so back to the, you know, 
looking at RuneScape potentially. So in the past few years, they've created, I think, RuneScape version 3. And so this is still browser-based. Actually, no, it's not. It's client-based. Excuse me. Now you have to download a client. You can't play in your browser anymore. Um, they've also re-released old-school RuneScape on iPhones. So that's another thing that's all over Instagram. People are like grinding the shit of, out of old-school RuneScape on the go and then coming home and grinding the shit out of RuneScape 3. And these games oh, wow. are... Yeah, they're extensive. Like there are, I want to say like 40 or 50 skills or maybe 60 skills, like everything from cooking to using your sword to magic and whatever it is, all very low fidelity graphics, um, pretty basic combat. You know, you're clicking on something and things are happening. Uh, and you know, folks just love to grind this game to death. So I downloaded the game. I played for approximately nine minutes and the pace of the game made my eyes glaze over like a like a like a freshly rolled Krispy Kreme. So it was a hard pass for me. Some things require <laughs> nostalgia or the formula does not work. Do you know what I mean? If you didn't oh, have yeah. love in your heart for Becky when she was hot and young, when things have started to come apart at the seams in her mid forties and she hits you up on Facebook, it's just it doesn't work as well. But if there's a treasured memory, buddy, you and Becky are going to have a beautiful autumn autumn years. Oh, yes. Well, that was uh, that was a Sandra Bullock movie, if I've ever heard one. It was. But, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so RuneScape was a hard pass for me. So the next game I looked at was Diablo 2. So, Ooh. Yeah. So listen, I'm a Diablo 3 fan. Love Diablo 3. I think it's great. But I have it on three consoles, right? And I've played it to death. Uh, Diablo 2 is the one game that, you know, I was a hardcore Diablo 1 fan. Make no mistake, I went to hell many times. Um, But Diablo 2 was the game that I never really sunk my teeth into. And I picked it up about 10 years ago, and picking it up 10 years ago is well after Diablo 2 launched, right? Um, And really had a ball with it. It's a great game. Excellent game, really fun local co-op. Have you you had, like, is it it in your wheelhouse? Have Have you spent some time with it? Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those games where Diablo 1 was a game and Diablo 2 was an obsession. You know, that's sure. when online really happened and Battle.net turned into a thing and you're no longer comp- competing just against the force of evil, but you're competing against everybody else in the server and 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 on the online community. And it, that's the one that got really deep, that got its hooks into folks. I played it a little bit. Now I didn't go, go as deep as, uh, you know, some of my pals into all the things you can do, hardcore mode and all that stuff. But I, I played it. It was very, very enjoyable. A lot of light hack and slash fun. Uh, I like me some Necromancer. That was my, that was my jive. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that there's eight players on that. So um, it, it's, I'm leaning to Diablo 2. I think it's a good one. I'm excited about it. I, I think picking that up again and having some, you know, some light after work enjoyment on uh, on Diablo 2 could be a thing and also could could literally run on a toaster at this point. I remember the day when my PC could not handle Diablo 2. That's one of the reasons it took me, you know, five years or eight years after that game had launched to actually get into it because it came out and my computer straight up would not install it. Just could not. Not enough room on the hard disk. Not enough RAM in the tr- in the tray. Not enough uh, horsepower on that video card, you know? It was a bridge too far in all ways. Your computer's like, I can't. I'm sorry. I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah, even was, a little. Not you know, even when a game installs on your computer and computer's like, 
sure, we'll do we'll do this. And it loads. It's like chunky and you move a frame a second. It's like I can't even I can't even fake it, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 not for one second, not even the title screen. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's like trying to deliver a book review when you've never read the book. Just just lots of really awkward pauses, pregnant pauses. I, I would say the 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 screen and the choppiness of the computer barely, barely reviewing it. That's that's giving the book review and not having read the book. This is giving a book review and you don't know what a book is or where your school is. Yeah, yeah, they've been eating too much tuna. You're right. <laughs> that's, that's, Can that's someone my- drive me home? That's 91 cans of tuna deep is what that is. Oh, crap. Well, Diablo 2 is a, is a def, definite contender and you know, nice breadth of characters to choose from. The, the one thing that always drives me away from Diablo is I just make let me make my own character, man. Like, don't don't preload me with the same necromancer that everyone else is going to play aesthetically. Like, just let me let me do this thing with a character that is a you know what I mean? Like, do you ever get irritated? You get that? skill choices. You get gear choices. You got to play one of their guys. You can't play Tom the farmhand. I know you want to play some colloquial man from the Applewood. You know, he used to be a stable boy and now he found his way. But no, you play you play one of their pre-approved characters and you get the heck out of here. Right? Come on. Like, that seems like such a, an arbitrary requirement. And like, why does my guy have to have the same face as your guy? Like all of us necromancers, same face, all from the same family. You know, that's right. The Necromancer. Listen, if you want that, go play Ultimate Ultima Online. Well, speaking of Ultima Online, you cheater looking at the show what? notes. Me? No, you know I can't read. <laughs> uh, um, I would refute that, but Mercury is making things difficult. Ultima Mercury's Online. Mercury's in retro, retrograde in your brain. <laughs> in my head. Um, Ultima Online is another game I didn't spend a lot of time with. So... It was around that time where you were either playing EverQuest or Ultima, and I was playing EverQuest. Same. And so, you know, and so Ultima, uh, to me, never really took hold. But I will tell you one thing. I played a game called Ashen Empires. Probably one out of 1,000 people that listen to this podcast will know what Ashen Empires is. Effectively, an Ultima ripoff that I played as if it was, you know, the the, the real the, deal. The, the real deal. And you drank Zeddy Coke like it was Coca-Cola Classic. That game was excellent. I had a blast. I had a real blasty with, uh, with Ashen Empires. Um, and I checked it out recently. There's like nine people playing on the server. So it's uh, it's you're pretty bad but you know in general ultima online is that you know isometric top down um really appealing to me i love that aesthetic of uh, of the isometric kind of like sprite based gameplay love that shit it scratches all of my early or late 90s early 2000 vibes all over the place icewind dale baldur's gate just gets right up in there in the feels um and then you know the game is entirely skill based so there's no leveling it's similar to runescape you're just you're leveling skills all over the place there's an intense uh, uh, absolutely merciless PvP system involved in in Ultima Online, where you, when you die, you drop all of your belongings. People can rob your house. You can have a house, which is cool. Um, and so the reason I put it on this list is because I have no intention of revisiting Ultima Online. The game has completely changed. It's got some Diablo elements to it now, but there is a new, uh, uh, let's call it a creatively private server. Hmm. Catching my drift on that one? I do. Um, right. It's called, oh God, what is it called? UO Outlands. 
Ultima Online Outlands. This server only launched in October of 2018. Oh. Right? Like, it's a recent addition to to the Ultima Online shard, is what they call uh, private servers online, ecosystem. And the team, so if you know what Ultima Online is, the team has taken Ultima Online and completely redone the world, completely like remapped the whole thing, created a different structure for the world, created new rules for uh, for skills and for PvP, the way that it works. Um, they're creating new dungeons, custom dungeons, custom monsters. They're oh, doing they're really getting events. under the hood. Man, it is crazy. They're doing a ton of new stuff. Um, and so, you know, I, I logged into this game. Dude, there's like almost a thousand people online, which I have to be real for a private server is like, that's huge. That's a big number, right? It's a lot of people playing on a, a you know, a, a third party private server. They on the, on the, the depths of the bowels of the interweb, right? No kidding. Um, yeah, it's got a vibrant community. So they have a discord that I jumped into that discord is cooking, man. There are people just talking there 24 hours a day. So I was blown away. I'm like, Ultima Online is back, baby. Like, this is the real thing. This is Ultima Online for 2019. And uh, yeah, so I uh, I jumped into that, and I'm I'm actually really enjoying it, Dan. Simplistic gameplay, you know. Um, I, sorry, I shouldn't say simplistic. Very grand, very hard to understand gameplay, but at, fundamentally, it's a point and click, right? Um, and just really titillating me. So, did you spend any time with Ultima or? I played some of the Ultimas for sure. I didn't play much of the online. Do you think that I could come visit it in 2019 and, and get what it's trying to do? Do you think that I could get at it with fresh eyes and, and, and have a good time? Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm doing that right now. Um, and I'm, I'm neck deep in the player guides and stuff like that. So I think, I think it's possible. Like, have you ever played any isometric games or any RPGs in that flavor? For sure. Yeah, Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter Nights, all that stuff. Yeah, so this one's a little different. Um, anyway, we won't go into the nuances of it, but there's just some really cool stuff happening there, and I wanted to, to shout out um, UO Outlands because it's just an ambitious pro- project, and as an RPG fan, it's kind of uh, it's kind of blowing my mind a bit. Um, I will check that out, buddy. Yeah, maybe we'll do a little uh, maybe we'll do a little play together. What do you think? A little playsy. Oh, love it. Yeah, and then finally, Neverwinter Nights. I have talked till I was blue in the face about Neverwinter Nights. It's a game that I love dearly. It's a game that I've played a lot in the last 15 years. Um, and diving back into it, it's not disappointed. Uh, you haven't tried it yet, right? I played a little bit of Neverwinter Nights, I think. Now, that's is that the one that's like Baldur's Gate or is that the online one? No, again, this is another one for a, you know, a, a, a friend or a group of friends who have relatively limited PCs. Neverwinter Nights, again, is isometric. Um, it's the old... AD&D second edition rule set yeah, that played, you're playing I with. played Neverwinter Nights. Yeah, so it's super moddable. Like, there's thousands and thousands of hours worth of modules and, and games that people have put together with this tool set. But there are also a ton of persistent servers online. Like, people are still running their own custom servers with their own custom maps and their own, you know, custom adventures and beaming in as, like, game masters to spawn groups of monsters and stuff like that online. This is still happening, even though this game came out in, like, 2001. So, if anything, just turning over a rock and looking at these games from the last 20 years plus um, that are still getting so much love, it's kind of mind-blowing to think that, you know, games that are coming out today may... I'm presuming they're as good or as as um, loyalty engendering as old games 
have a following in like 20 plus years. Yeah, and finding these communities that are live and and vibrant, it it makes you feel like you're missing out on something. You know what I mean? Because it's going on right now. Thousands of people are playing Ultima Online, uh, you know, and, and, and that's still happening, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, and for some reason, these games, like, I don't, again, I don't know if it's because I've got rose-colored glasses on. And there's an era of gaming where I had more time and more freedom and, and you know, uh, was able to dive into these things with a, a much more critical eye. Maybe that's why... I'm so attached to games of this aesthetic. Um, but man, there's something about them that's just like so delightfully simple and so easy to get into that it creates absolutely no issues for me to dive in and enjoy myself. Where sometimes, you know, it's it's daunting like having to sit down and wait eight minutes for your PS4 to boot up the newest game that's going to take you a good long time to even orient yourself in given the high fidelity of the world they've created, you know? Yeah. Gaming from a simpler time with well-known me- mechanics, uh, you know, with system requirements that your computer can smash. You set it to the highest settings, you're going to crush it. You know, those settings that your mouse always hovered over, you know, ultra high, do I dare? And now, yeah, you do dare. And it still does lag your computer a bit, but you pretend like you don't care. <laughs> Speaking of ultra high, those games are ultra bong friendly, just so we're clear. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Ultima Online, hit the bong. Go ahead. It's going to make it better. Butte. Yeah. What about you, buddy? You've been, uh, you've been diving into Titanfall 2. Andy, let me tell you about Titanfall 2. This is a game that, that flew by my radar. Uh, it's not that I didn't want to play it. I was just doing other things. And the other thing I was doing was Destiny 2. They dropped really close to each other. Do you mm. remember that drop? I do remember that drop. In fact, I remember... Um, you powering through Destiny 2 pretty hard, me bouncing off of Destiny 2 in like uh, five round minutes, and um, finding Titanfall 2, talking to you about it, uh, getting zero response about uh, entertaining it, and uh, me promptly putting it down because I feared being alone in a Big Mac. Oh, this is a butthurt situation. I'm sorry, buddy. It always You, you is, had your finger now? on the pulse of the mechanized unit. Because, mm, so, uh, just to... Poor choice of words. Which part? Your mechanized unit? No, the finger on the... Yeah, never mind. You're doing fine. So, uh, uh, back to the mech. It, it, this is something that I think... It was a, it was a, an awkward transition. So, Titanfall 1 never hit the PlayStation 4. That was a, an Xbox thing. It was an Xbox exclusive. And it, and it did really well inside of sort of that smaller pool. So, when it came to PS, PS4, I, I initially didn't even really know it was on its way. I, I kind of had written it off as an Xbox game. Xbox game and I kind of I let Xbox games be Xbox games they're out of uh, reach for me so I just let it do that thing so I didn't really give it a second look until I was uh, waist deep into Apex Legends and uh, you know researching in the company I was like oh yeah these are the Titanfall 2 guys so it me and and a lot of other people rewound the clock and I went down to my my local uh, EB aka GameStop and picked myself up a used copy for a cool thirteen dollars, uh, nice. you know, so cheap that I picked up two copies and uh, and popped it in the tray and I was delighted with what I found. So like just to to go over it, um, Titanfall Two is a single multiplayer kind of acrobatic mech enabled FPS action oh. game. Only that. So, so you're 
you know, it's got a little bit of a, like a modern warfare Call of Duty feel, um, except you're a, a mech pilot, which means you have a grappling hook and you can wall run and you're generally, you know, faster than what you think of a normal soldier. And uh, you kind of, uh, in the single player, you get uh, thrust into the seat of a mech unexpectedly. Unexpe- now, this, this game doesn't call them mechs, it calls them titans, which sounds appropriately badass. And you're, uh, you know, Jack Cooper a normal soldier who comes across a down Titan and a pilot that's on death's door who, you know, uh, enables you as the mech's pilot. And you got sort of a buddy, um, soldier thing going on uh, from that point. And, you know, the first couple missions, um, or beats in the mission, you're, you're getting battery packs to repair this Titan and bring it back online. And, it, you know, immediately a lot of the things about this game is familiar. It's, it's an FPS. You're, you're, you're running around and, and, uh, and gatting down, uh, enemy soldiers grunts but what you find is you're quick you're acrobatic and uh you get a little bit of a stealth mechanic where you can go invisible for short bursts uh to give yourself a little bit of a competitive advantage uh over the enemy nice um you know mechs have never really been my thing i remember uh what the hell was the name of that game it was mech is it mech warrior Warrior? yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah. Uh, dark something or other for xbox um Something about the aesthetic of like like hulking around in a mech just doesn't do it for me. But this, my understanding is, the Titanfall Two has a real agility to it. Well, yeah, and I mean, one of the reasons of making your pilot on foot so fast and so quick, they can still make the mech feel heavy without it making you feel like you're moving a building around. And listen, I, I I'm a big mech <sighs> warrior f- a fan. I go back, um, you know, into the old memory banks and. There was a special moment, you know, where I was in front of my PC, um, you know, probably in the 90s, and I had my joystick on, and you build this mech and take it out, and it moves around. You have that British voice in it. You know, it's like, light amplification engaged. You know, you're chain firing stuff. You're overheating your mech. Your computer's giving you feedback. Jump jets at 50%. That was... That was so where I parked my car, and I, I got a lot of time out of that. One of my favorite things to do is uh, enable one of the hi hat buttons on my joystick, like my uh, like Sidewinder style joystick, to fire everything you have with an EMP style mech. And so it shoots everything, and then your mech shuts down uh, and has to cool down and reboot. So you better make sure that whatever was coming after you got killed by that last shot, that last right. volley you sent his way. It's but it was a perfect. Risk. Hail Mary headbutt moment. I, I I love it to the day I'm, I died. So uh, you get in the seat of this mech, and I'm not going to give away a lot of the story because I, the single player is between seven and ten hours. You can bang it out quick. Totally enjoyable. Lots of fun. Um, and the game lets you switch uh, mech types on the fly. So you can go into your menu right in the middle of the mission and change from the Scorch mech that works with AOE and fire and um, is a big old tough banana down to your sword mech who's quick and agile and maybe a little bit more uh, breakable. Uh, I found myself uh, taking time and enjoying all the mech builds. So um, did they just so, like like parachute it out of the sky? No, like, you're just you've just changed. Oh, like halfway it's, it's through like a different, mission, just you, you're you're just different, different quote unquote kit. You're like. You're you're using a different mech kit, and you find these mech kits as you go through the the single player game. You like find this weapon, and so they they kind of hand wave it like as if you have all these giant 
mech cannons on you. Now, totally impossible, but for the speed of play and ease of access, it works. Because, <clears throat> listen, you can go the, all the other way. There's um, a game that I really enjoyed, Armored Core, but you're like, it might as well be called Big Bad Robot Builder because yeah. you're spending hours in the hangar tweaking and building and, you know, do I put on the this level 8 gun or do I go level 9 because I have uh, 50% less heat sinks? Like, hours. Getting, yeah, like you your, can make a totally like broken in the mech. bathroom before a charity ball. Like it's not happening anytime quickly. And I'm familiar with Armored Core because it's the first game I ever played on PlayStation Two. And damn, was it ever! Oh hit. wow, yeah, yeah. Love that and there's one. great there's great things about it. But if you take a broken Mac into the field, you got to cancel out and go back into the shed. No, no, no. Listen, man. I, I, I as as Geralt, I had a sword and another sword and three other swords and fourteen maces and a battle axe. It was all good, man. So I can I can hand wave that. Right. So so what I like about this is all all the changes can be made on the fly and you know every platform there is workable, you know, in in some situations. So there are no broken builds out there. Um you know, it's totally enjoyable single player and you know very quickly your mech has an AI in it, so it plays a, it is a character in the game and you quickly get a little bit of that uh iron giant feel, you know, uh, where your mech's looking out for you and uh and upholding the mission and he he serves as a a really good plot device. I, they they did it great. It's a classical sort of classic pairing of a dry logical mechanized AI uh, and your sort of working man's frontline soldier. Yeah, um, yeah, man, I, I get that entirely. I uh, I like Titanfall two um, because more for the mechanics. Again, the aesthetic of a mech doesn't really scratch any edge for me. But uh, from my understanding, the way that that game plays is incredibly fluid, and I think. If I'm correct, it's the same studio who's making the new Star Wars game. Am I right? Yeah, that, that's Star a, Wars that's a recent note. The the Jedi Fallen Order has got sort of revived with Respawn. And uh, Respawn does a great job, and they promise no tr- microtransactions. So, uh, yeah, we got a great single-player Star Wars game ahead of us. Yeah, it, they do really good a job at balancing, because basically every level is some combination of f- FPS situations... Um, exploration and like, do you know Prince of Persia style wall running? Do you yes. know what I mean when I yeah, say I know that? Exactly what you mean. There's there's segments like that in almost every level, and then some mech combat. There's one mission in particular that has you on a, a in a team of mechs doing an assault with your AI buddies, um, and it is I played it maybe six or seven times just because it was so enjoyable. Just a great frontal assault on a fortified base. Totally, totally where I parked my car. Nice. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, that, 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 I totally get the badassery of that. For me, though, these mechanics that you're describing to me, the Prince of Persia style wall running and the fluidity of it and the, the weight behind the weapons and all that other good stuff, um, that plus Star Wars, winning combination. That's peanut butter and chocolate for me. Yeah, you wonder how much they bring. To, like you wonder how much of that those mechanics will show up in in the game and for sure some of them but yeah that's a curious point you bring up well I mean you know it's not hard as a game studio I have to imagine it's not hard to capture like the Jedi because the Jedi is just infinitely flexible right they're infinitely cool they can do whatever they have the force to assist them in their movements so you basically take your physics um, to make someone feel like a superhero amp them up to eleven and you've got a Jedi so I have to imagine that. On a on a you know a level playing field, creating the feel of a Jedi is probably something that's reasonably easy to achieve. But you know you get that extra layer of competency 
um, that, for example, your experience with Titanfall 2 tells me Respawn has, um, and add that onto the super dynamics of being a Jedi, plus how that Jedi occurs with other Star Wars characters in the world, I feel like that's a winning combination, Dan, and I want me a single-player Star Wars game so bad. And so this is extremely promising, because the last one got canned, and damn it, EA, damn it, it hurts. Damn it. Yeah. I'm super hopeful about it, too, and in their hands, I think it's got a really good chance. Some um, might I might say wanna... a new hope. I love it, buddy. Uh, a couple highlights out of the single player as well. There is a, par- a mission where instead of your mechanic being that you can stealth, you can phase between time periods. So you're in a facility where it's currently destroyed, but you get a time hop ability where you can phase into when it was in operation and you have to phase between the two times to uh, get past certain obstacles. And in the current time, there's like beasts that have invaded the place now that it's been derelict. And if you go back, it's still full of soldiers. Such a well-constructed level, such a great mechanic. And they they slam dunk it. it I mean, it, I was blown away. Um, that's a highlight. And there is a mission where you're in a factory line that's prefabricating building tiles like uh, tiles are going to be installed on exoplanets that already have buildings on them and you're going through the mechanization line and it's it's building them and fighting troops as these buildings are being built around you and being turned on their side and oh my i blew my blew my mind just like next level out of the box thinking nice did you did you do a little bit of smoking while this was happening because that sounds like an occasion I did. I tooted it up, and uh, and that that really that really took it to the next level. I didn't know which way it was up. Quite literally, is this one of those flow games? It feels like a really good four twenty friendly game. So yeah, the flow is all over, it, buddy. And I played it at normal difficulty just just so I could really uh, go guns out. Nice, nice. What do you think? A nice, uh, a nice, nice brisk sativa on this bad boy. You you do it uh, dealer's choice. It, it all works. Um, it feels like it feels like I mean it doesn't feel as high octane as like a green crack. Feels like you want to go like, I don't know like a Jack Harrow on this thing. What do you think? That would work just fine. Yeah. Uh, it it should also be mentioned that it, the the online community had dwindled to almost nothing at one point um, for a couple reasons. I could I could talk about them at length, um, but. Uh, they they put out a couple of levels in their beta of the multiplayer that were not well received and people moved on. But uh, the maps that they put out for multiplayer are great. There are PVE missions where you're doing uh, a challenges against the computer with other folks online. It, it is it is great and the community strong. Uh, you know, can get in a game really quick. So I, I highly recommend this game as a pickup. It's you know less than twenty bucks right now and a ton of fun. Nice. So, so the online community, though, not really a thing. No, is really a thing. Been picked oh. up, hugely re- re- revitalized by um, Apex Legend. Um, like it's they've had twenty and twenty five oh, yeah, thousand people. Got what on. you said backwards. Understood. Made made sense. Yeah. Fantastic. Suffered, but I mean, literally, can you imagine making a game that's so well received? People start playing your old game that people should have noticed. <laughs> that's that's, that's a big win. That's pretty good. That, pretty that's good. certainly my experience. Not bad. Not bad at all. All right. Titanfall 2 sounds like a pickup. Um, where did we want to go? Ask the tuna. Let's go. We want to have a smoke. Smoke sesh. Yeah, buddy. Mm, blub. Pop, 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 pop.
smoke sash, Dan. We're here, smoke buddy. Sesh. We've arrived. Smoke sash. Hip, hip. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. Man, um, I want to get into this, but did you know that there is a new Super Smash Bros. Ultimate drop coming tomorrow? Five ninety nine for some DLC that includes the uh, character Joker from Persona 5, that game that caused me to buy you Spider-Man. No, I didn't. Oh, Spidey. Yeah, not, not only are they doing that, they're they're dropping some Persona action. Persona's coming out on Switch, the rumor is. Oh, There's dude. been those rumors brewing. And you can get, uh, with the top order, um, you can get the Joker pistols. He's got two pistols, and you can buy those uh, as part of the, the game, I believe. I was seeing that online. Correct me if I'm wrong. Get at us. So there's a firearm package with this video game? Yeah, they're the airsoft. They're airsoft oh. guns, and oh, they're only going to awesome. be available in Japan, but there oh. they are. Oh, man, actually, goons. I went from I went from a uh, really shitty insight to that's awesome. Excellent. Um, yeah, Persona 5 has my favorite tune of all time in the game, which is just the Overland music, and that's being added wow. to the game also, I think. High uh, praise. Yeah, it's just it's like super laid back jazz lounge song kind of thing, but just really moody and, and wonderful. The opening scene of Persona Five is so amazing because it's so um, like rainy, and you end up at this uh, like restaurant that's a little bit old school, like eighties looking, and the vibe is just totally nailed in the first few minutes of that game. Plus the moody overtone, ah, makes me want to eat a steaming bowl of ramen. Blowing my mind a little bit. But um, you're also getting a stage builder as well as a movie editor for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. So this continues to be ultimate. Bad, bad, but but good, but also good. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, letting, letting the creatives get creative. Love that, Nintendo. Yeah, man. Pretty stoked about it. Okay. What I've are you smoking some- on today, buddy? Well, I have some Ocean View, some Ocean View strain scenario, and this is by your old pal, Uncle Snoop. This is LBS grown up here by Tweed here in Canada. Um, That is who Uncle Snoop works with, Uh, and they have grown us some lovely Ocean View, which is not telling me what uh, this strain is in terms of genealogy, Um, but I will say... It's quite a nice looking bud, um, a little small, a little popcorny. Uh, sorry, popcorny is the wrong word, but a little, a little, um, yeah, some smaller buds. I feel like this is a little more on the trim side than I'd want it to be. Uh, that being said, only a three and a half gram uh, batch, so possibly um, just not trimmed in the. Uh, yeah, possibly that I just got a bad pack. Let's let's call it that way. But um, overall, this stuff smells great. Extremely. Mmm, extremely f- well. I don't maybe not floral. It's like a it's like a herbaceous, almost um, yeah, pretty herbaceous, pretty pretty spicy kind of flavor uh, uh, flavor on the nose here, and nice and nice and bright green. Some fiery orange hairs on there, as is typical of some dank dank weed. But um, a very nice uh, jammy sort of soft texture on this bud, um, and uh, just just loaded to the brim with uh with crystal so um it's coming off on my fingers and i'm gonna have a little little licksy there we go uh yeah i'm excited for this and this is a pretty pretty high thc strain as well i don't have the box with me any longer Uh, that's the one thing about canadian cannabis is everything comes with per batch um cbd and thc stats so i think this was around 23 or 24 percent 
Uh, and this is a pretty steady sativa, so I'm expecting an energetic evening. It's 1025. This is probably a bad idea. What could go wrong? I don't know. I might end up playing um, Christmas. I might end up playing RuneScape till the wee hours of the night. Sounds like it's going to go right. Just right. Let me go ahead and vape this out of my, uh, what is this thing called? The Quant. Q-U-A-N-T. The Quant. Has a nice faux finish wood grain on here, uh, available for both concentrates and herb. Never used the concentrate function, so no idea if that works, but the herb one works just fine. Give it a go. I'm going to fire up here. Uh, It is warm. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's smooth, Danny. That is a smooth, uh, very, very peppery in the nose. Um, a little unco- a little burny, actually. Maybe it's because I exhaled too strongly from my nose. But a little burny in the nose, but you definitely get that, that peppery kind of herbish, herbish scent. If that's a little herbaceousness in the nose, Herbaceousness. Eh? Instantly energizing, though. I feel like I just got, uh, just got a pat on the ass from an angel. Pick me up. From the angelic choirs. Well, let's let's see what what uh, our friends at Leafly have to say uh, about this one. And this this Leafly uh, overview is brought to you by our friend Jeremy Irons. Oh, Jeremy, take me away. I'm gonna have another little look at this. What is Ocean View? Grown by Canadian LP Leafs by Snoop. Ocean View is a great strain for consumers seeking a classic sativa. Uh. Buds are green with orange hairs, fully coated in trichomes. Flavors are earthy, sweet, and fruity, with effects that heighten energy and awareness. Consumers seeking a strain that pairs great with the stress-free day of outdoor activities should look no further. Outdoor activities was my first clue that uh, that this is not a 1030 at night strain. Yes. And the number one effect uh, is energetic, followed oh, by man. focused, happy, euphoric, and relaxed. I feel and very energetic are... right now. This is insane, Dan. I'm like, I'm ready to go. I feel like I could teach a class right now. Teach a quick symposium on... Someone get me my friggin' professor sweater. I'm ready to go. Someone Sorry, that was a, that was a beat. Teach a quick quick symposium on. Teach a quick symposium. I don't know, pal. I, I, on on enjoying this dank dank weed, bud. The positive effects of beluga whale companionship. Man, get out of here with that. Um, I will not. I stand ugh. by what I've said, and I I say shame on you. Man, trying to gotta, stop me. The flavor is really potent, still lingering around. Like uh, again, I just I have to state there's like a, there's a spiciness there that's that's really present, right? It's like it's almost still on the back of my tongue. It almost feels a little burny, uh, but nice, pleasant, really a more complex flavor than I expected. This ocean view is quite nice. Now I don't have an ocean to view. Looking out my windows, I see only the blackness of night. I am alone on my ground floor. Uh, there's no one to talk to but you, and Sorry. I'm turned right up. I'm at a there 10 right now. I'm ready Maybe to go. Maybe do you have a, a gentle desktop background you can uh, peep? I don't want to peep a gentle desktop background. I want to go to a Megadeth concert, man. All right. I like <laughs> it. Turn it up. Oh, well, Andy, this is lovely. T- 
today I have a, a rare find, but one I think we've all had. I was uh, gifted a handful that was withdrawn out of a giant garbage bag out of my friend's van. And uh, he's just dropped me a, a big, gentle, and generous serving of outdoor. And I said, what strain do you think it is? He says, I don't know. It's the outdoor that I grow <laughs> and that I've always grown. Come on. So, okay, fantastic. I mean, listen. Let me, let me find I this one at- on Leafly. Uh, Dank Outdoor. Let's see what Leafly has to say. Oh, survey says Dank Schrader. There you go. Dang now, let me tell you a little bit about these buds. Uh, when I got them, it it was they were not trimmed yet, so I had to trim them myself. And uh, they didn't. The buds were not super impressive to look at. But as I trimmed away the stick and the leaf, there are some nuggets in here. And the way I describe this, these buds, these trichomes, is chunky, really, really, really chunky. Um, the smallest buds I can find are about the size of a marble, and uh, they are ch- fat. Fat leaves, fat trichomes. The, the the trichomes are expanded. They are uh, pointing in every direction. They are not tight cones at all. I it's actually it's not. I even like the top of this nug. It it, it does not come to a point. It does not come to a triangle. It's like a gentle dome. It's wow. got uh, rusted brown and dark brown hair. And although I'm, I have to admit, I got a little bit of a head cold presently. You can smell. It's got a soft skunkiness to it. Backed up by some earth, like some really strong earth. Nice. And when my nose was working better than it is right now, I could smell pepper. And uh, now I can nary smell a thing. Um, but I am gonna, I am gonna cheap down on this. Let me see what I got here. I'm nice. Smoking out of uh, the the tri bubbler here, and I did have a lighter. Here she is. Harshy blows. Ooh. Dan, I have to uh, run this one by you as you enjoy that. How's the flavor <laughs> profile? Oh, woodsy for sure. Woodsy. Lots of wood. Nice. Pepper in the back of the throat. I did cough really hard there, but I think that's because I am getting sick. Oh. So I'm going to hope that this <coughs> sends me off to bed nicely. Right. Well, <coughs> I hear weed cures everything, so there's that. <coughs> um, yes. Weed. It works. For weed. what? What do you need? What kind of weed do you need? So I hear that uh, on Facebook, a credible source has stated that if you have any birthmarks on your body, that's where you were killed in a past lifetime. Um, I've heard some stuff like that. That sounds like some dumb stuff. No, sounds great. It sounds really plausible. So let me know. Do you have any birthmarks that uh, that could indicate you that you're the site of your death? I do. I have a dot on my inner thigh. Oh, man. Looks like you were stabbed through the inner thigh in a previous life. You were probably an Egyptian prince. Let me tell you where I've got my birthmark. I mean, what what, what are we doing here? On my thumb. I have one on my thumb. Death by you thumb. You got one of those fatal happened. thumb wounds. So where's my b- birthmark if I die of dysentery on the Oregon Trail? Pray tell. I think you know exactly where that birthmark is. I see. I see. Well, then there should <laughs> be a, a, a buttload of people with that particular uh, birthmark. Well, if there's a man to find out, thank Dan. Now, if if like a quarter of the population, when the quarter of the population died of yellow fever, where, pray tell, was that, that birthmark? Hey, Dan, do you like having fun or do you like never getting invited to parties? 
Which one do you prefer on a scale of one to... I want to... There's still some moisture in this particular cloud cover, and I notice that there's a marching band down there that you're in the middle of, so I think I'm going to continue to rain on this oh, yeah. parade. Uh, what about... Where are the neck ring birthmarks where the people got guillotined in you know, France in that special time? Where, where's, where are those guys? Yeah, let's just make everything more fun with science, Dan. How about that? Science. Sometimes my... my a close person, somebody I love and I trust and I think is intelligent, they explained to me, they said to me, um, you know, so-and-so has passed away and now they're an angel. Now they're an angel? There is no religious canon that supports somebody passing on and swirling into the great beyond and turning into an angel. That's some daytime TV soft brain craziness. I wanted to ask, how have we fallen so far? I I see. I see. You're the arbiter of who becomes an angel now or not. Is that correct, Dan? Is that where we're at right now? Angels and people are different things. Okay. Pope, if you believe Pope, in Pope if you believe in if you believe in the monotheistic Christian religion, no, no. God made angels as his sky automatons Dan, to do his will. I'm and he gave them this, specific jobs. And then people no, no. with the second thing that have free will and stuff. Never shall the two meet. You don't no. it's you don't get upgraded. You're not they're not gonna hand you a oh, harp and wings. There's no context for that. Somebody gave you a Hallmark greeting card made by Ann Getty who said a baby with an angel wing on it, and your brain went, That Dan, must be what Dan, happened. Tim is on Xbox How? Live right now. He's How? trying to win a match of Fortnite, and he thinks his nan is an angel. And you've created a real difficult situation for him. Listen, maybe is she in has, the shitter. So just stop. Maybe Done. she has swirled off into the vortex to be with whatever sky on, daddy Dan. makes the most sense to them. I'm Dan. so for that. Here's what she's not. She's not an angel. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it. Fuck. Let me pull the shoot on this conversation. Send your right letters away. to Andy at Purple Dungeon School. Oh, man. Pope Dan Paul right here for you. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's move into things that, that aren't that conversation. Risk of Rain Segway. 2 is coming out. Man, I, I, I got to tell you. Risk of Rain was a sleeper hit for me in a world of roguelike games that failed to impress. Risk of Rain, that fabulously quasi-8-bit, I want to say quasi-8-bit because I don't think it's actually 8-bit, but that pixel art beauty of surviving in a space hellscape uh, with an increasingly more and more irritatingly difficult wave of enemies on your 2D screen while you run a- run around and collect power-ups. That game was a real legend piece. And the fact that there's a second one coming out gives me hope for the future of games that I can sit down and play inside of nine minutes. Thoughts on this oh, second one? Oh, you're so one right. You're so right. I mean, Andy, this is a game that you didn't super love because you're... you're not that good. I mean, if you're better, you would like it because no, this is a, a game Get that gets... How many times did you beat it? How many? How many? You never beat it runs? once, but I had a great. Did, what's your longest? Listen, uh, get listen, ten minutes in. I had I'm a listening. great time. Came to get play. Left yeah. after playing. Listen, let me not poo 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 it because I'm sorry. I I got defensive because I thought you were taking taking risks for rain and, and taking it out back and giving it some trouble by the woodshed. But you're right; it has all that charm. Great soundtrack, sci-fi, low bit has all those great things. They've changed the. Uh, viewpoint in this one. They've gone from a 2D um, sprite-based to a 3D polygon-based with see this. some of the, the same mechanics, and I know the, uh, uh, the some of the same aesthetics. And when I first saw it, I, 
I was a little bit hesitant, but that's this is the type of the game that I think you can iterate on into a new dimension and and take a chance on it. Are you comfy with this? I am indeed. So just taking a look through the trailer, I've watched it a few times already, and I'll tell you, one of the first things that hit me is that the movement feels really right for this game. So Risk of Rain, the first, um, had excellent movement. And yeah. probably I should say easier to accomplish when you're a 2D game, right? When you're a 2D pixel game, you can you can kind of tune that up and tune that down and find a nice sweet spot in a much easier way, I would think, than a 3D game. This game, after just watching it, looks smooth as butter. It's got, um, I, I don't hate to bring up the old FT, the old Fortnite uh, again, but you know, the, the, well, the smoothness, that game is incredibly smooth. The way that, you know, things happen is, is satisfying and it, it, you never feel like you're fighting the game or sliding around or there's a great sense of presence, but it's fast and it's snappy. Watching uh, Risk of Rain 2 is exactly that. Everything feels just fast enough, you know, to not be bored. There's lots going on on the screen and the art direction is wonderful. The art direction yeah. is minimalistic and basic, very bright, very saturated, very colored, really on trend with like current design that I want to be looking at and um, it looks hectic man it looks just as hectic as the 2D game it's got a lot of the same um, you know aesthetics Uh, it's got a lot of the same um, it looks like weapons Uh, it's just done on a 3D plane that gives you a lot more to work with I'm really stoked about this game this is this is a must buy for me and do we know when it's coming out uh yeah i do and i think it's one of the june or july's sorry front of mind it's not there i it what's interesting what's in early access right now what's interesting is you notice that the scope of this game has vastly shifted it's no longer because one thing about risk of rain is so zoomed out your guy's like two centimeters tall so it's a big shift to change it the the scope is a lot more focused in but i think you're right it it has the speed to continue to be interesting even though the shift and you don't usually see a developer take a giant leap like this it's it's impressive the the confidence they have in their vision. Yeah, man. I mean, again, like I I have to throw it back to Fortnite because it's it, Fortnite's one of the best examples of movement in a game uh, that I can think of recently. Especially because it's got that basic, highly saturated, you know, cartoon graphic. It's different than the kind of fluidity you get out of an Assassin's Creed game. It's just just overall different, more surreal feeling movement. Uh, really satisfying to watch. Like I'm watching the trailer for the sixth time right now, and it's just wow. There's so much going on in this game that it the uh, the franticness of Risk of Rain I feel has just been upgraded from something that was you know exciting to participate with on a screen and felt like a really satisfying platformer to a game that I can see having some real lasting appeal just because of the variability in it. And, you know, you, you, this is the kind of game that you, that I'm looking at here and, and the reflexes of the whole thing that you, you, you hone in a, a roguelike or in risk of rain, uh, the first, um, you know, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm just so energetic and excited about it. I'm I'm rambling. So yes, just 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 pumped, just, just pumped. energetic. And, uh, I wonder if they'll do multiple creatures because they've started you with the kind of spaceman uh, initial character. And you wonder if they'll have that deep roster of characters that they had in the previous one. I think it was like sixteen. Yeah, they're ten. Uh, and depending ten on characters. who you're going to play, that really does vary up the uh, the play style and the kind of experience you get. Yeah. Uh, well, there's ten characters um, and spaceman. By Babylon Zoo, excellent song from uh, from 1996. Try that one out. Um, Spaceman by Biff Naked. 
No, no, Spaceman by Babylon Zoo. Oh, I heard what you said, and then I said a second one. Uh, um, anyway, Risk of Rain 2 looks like a real hot tamale. Oh, my goodness. Dan, have you uh, spent any time with No Man's Sky in the recent past? I know you went pretty hard on it a few months ago. There's been no man in that sky, including myself. <laughs> so um, there's a pretty potent article. I think it's on Pauly. Well, it was on Kotaku, but, you know, whatever. Neither here nor there. Um about the VR and the way that it amps up the experience in No Man's Sky. That is one of the uh, that is one of the I think cornerstone enhancements coming down the pipe for No Man's Sky. Um, or is that separate from the next update? Is it mm, with the next update? Not with the next update? Any idea? I'm not sure uh, on it on that. And I I think it's such an interesting overlay to get VR added to a game that that. I, you know, it wasn't necessarily the primary, like you take a game like super hot, you can tell that that was made with VR in mind. And I love the idea of getting VR added to games that have already had a full development cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might be a really fair shake and a fair case for, uh, you know, triple a wide release VR games. Uh, would you, would you try out like a VR destiny? I don't know maybe that's too jumpy, but I mean, you- no man's sky is jumpy. You, you rocket pack around. Do you think this is the type of game that's going to make you sick to your stomach if you have to rock a pack up and down? I don't know. Like, the- yeah, I'm not one of those. I don't, I don't really have an issue with VR. Like, for me, VR is about enhancing the experience of uh, realizing a world. And I don't know that that's necessarily what Destiny is about. Like, graphics aside, because Destiny has wonderful graphics, the game is about the gameplay loop and the feedback of firing the weapon, right? Like, if you if you boil destiny down there's the gameplay loop of killing hordes and hordes of enemies picking up weapons that are better than your weapons upgrading that tech and uh and uh you know feeling that satisfying feedback of a of the gun firing which is excellent that's what destiny yeah. does best yeah. Yeah. yeah um i don't know that it's enhanced by me being there in the scene any more than me looking at the tv screen no man's yeah. sky though just because of the exploratory nature of it, you know, some moments are high octane, sure, but most of them are uh, spent in a sense of wonder. And I feel like a sense of wonder can be hard to capture on a flat screen. I imagine, even though I haven't participated, that three bowls and a set of VR goggles makes, you know, randomly generated planet number 835692-394 way more freaking interesting to explore. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. And I think you touched on something important there, which is like the game needs to have a certain pace to it. And I think in this case, a lot of times a successful VR game has some chillness in it. And I think that um, that's something No Man's Sky has in spades is there's there's bouts of action, but there's also long stretches of chillness. And I think for a game to really be successful in, to, in VR, it needs to have a, a right the right cadence. Uh, a game like Super Hot achieves it by being able to stop the action whenever you stop moving and think, you mm-hmm. know, and then you resume moving again. And I think uh, No Man's Sky does it with uh, just like some chill underwater travel or jetpacking around if if that's the speed you want to go. Yeah. Fair point. No flag on that play, Danny. No flag on Thanks, that Holmes. play. Yeah. Flagless. Buddy, on, I, am, uh, on. Mm, I am quickly getting ready to... Go clean my house, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I got some chores. I got some they have my name on them. To do. 
I, listen, I gotta, I gotta throw it out there for Ocean View. Ocean View would be a tremendous strain if I had participated in it at 4:30 today. Right now, I'm super anxious that I'm not going to get to bed. <laughs> that's, that's, and that's the perils of recording at night and sometimes smoking sativas. Um, but wow, you know what you could use a tree house. Build it tonight, man. I could, I could definitely. There's like three things that need to be built in my garage: a lawnmower, a weed whacker. Third a one, I stove. think, is new, new, uh, new, new chain on my chainsaw. Um, probably oh. none of those three things are safe to do uh, in anything but broad daylight, stone cold sober. So, I think when you're really high, you can't take uh, do any activity that also couldn't be accomplished with a pillow. Right. You know what I mean, you can tidy up because you could technically tidy up by batting around the things you need to move with a pillow. But if it's like a hammer, mm, give that a maybe give that a cool it. Jack. I don't know. There's some people that are like really skilled when they're stoned. And I have to yeah. think back to some interesting moments in my life. Guitar Hero comes to mind because through the right. fire and flames would not have happened for me on extreme mode without some cannabis. Let me tell you. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Yeah. You can cue into the moment. And listen, you know it. You know it. But I, I like don't don't operate a crane, maybe, or uh, practice archery. <laughs> Maybe practice archery is a perfect one. What am I talking about? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, let's move on through here. Mary Jane has an interesting article, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go too deep. But um, the question that Mary Jane poses is, "What will be the champagne of cannabis?" Thoughts on Appalachians and terroir. And I thought that was a hilarious title because it's so bougie, but it's kind of interesting. So the champagne of cannabis refers to the fact that champagne is only able to be grown in the protected region of champagne. You can't call something champagne unless it's from champagne. <clears throat> right. And it's simply a sparkling wine. It is simply a sparkling wine for the masses, for the peasants, not champagne. Um, yeah, you know how, how peasants are always drinking sparkling wine. <laughs> That's what we do. Peasants. Damn peasants. It's just, it's interesting. So the whole article is about beginning to define um, the impact regionality to grow regionality has on growing cannabis. So if I'm consuming Blue Dream, no different than if I'm consuming Pinot Noir, Pinot Grapes, right? Um, You know, how is that impacted by growing it in Nepal versus growing it in California versus growing it in specific regions of California even, right? And so so it makes a difference, right? And sun exposure and elevation all play parts. Sure. And yet there's obviously some legalities around uh, any sort of formal declaration of, you know, how you can call a product that's not federally legal in most places. Um, But yet there's the rich history of you know, first movers growing on the soil and creating the conditions required to breed world-class cannabis. And there's no doubt going to be battles over the next, you know, dozen years as people uh, try to standardize what quality cannabis means. It's just an interesting conversation overall, never mind just terroir, but in general, you know, gene- or, uh, genetics, right? That's one of the things um, that's been interesting here in Canada is that even for LPs to get their genetics, um, I don't know the exact specifics, but there, uh, there's some sort of loophole where you can acquire your genetics within a certain period, but once you've started planting, you're no longer allowed to acquire new genetics, right? Um, and, you know, who has great weed and who doesn't have great weed when we get into the world of craft grows and, uh, like, legal craft grows up here in Canada and, um, 
you know, the U.S. market starts to become something that's more regulated and what that looks like. And again, how you create, how you protect intellectual property behind the growing and cultivating of these different plants. It's going to be really neat to, to watch happen because how much consideration and protection there are for people that have been doing this for dozens and dozens of years um, will likely be, I, I think we can probably agree, it'll be a point of contention. It's such an interesting thing, you know, uh, legalization allows, uh, gives the gift of, and perhaps curse of regulation, which brings many things along with it, but one of it is trademark ability, copyright ability, IP starts to form, and I think that it's such a an interesting study to see how capitalism with regulation uh, reacts to a commodity that's been, you know, the wild, wild west, um, you know, for so long. Y- the closest thing you look at, too, is things like whiskey. When regulation came in, they could start making a very specific legal distinction of what is bourbon and what right. is scotch and what is, you know, considered rye. Whereas b- before, I mean, it, different mashes all over and who can really say. So it's interesting to see how that reacts, uh, you know, uh, regionality. Um, and who's going to decide who the big winners are? Because typically it comes with it with a mark of quality and premium. Yeah. Do you know any anything off the top yet? I know you're deep into the stuff. Yeah, I, I don't, to be honest. You know, it's there's still so much that's evolving right now. I think that, you know, there's so many layers to the legalization of cannabis. When you start it, okay, how do we protect the general public? That's the basic question you have, right? And then once you get past how do we protect the the general public and keep cannabis out of the hands of minors and regulate the way that cannabis is sold and allow for, you know, proper people to be in play uh, growing and selling cannabis and not organized crime. And you move on up into the how do we keep things healthy and how do we standardize cannabis so that you can't just grow it in a bathtub and sell it no different than, you know, the standards for, you know, product that they sell at the liquor store. And you, you start working your way up through this complex web of challenges and you arrive on the other end with, oh, God, finally, we got the rules and regulations in there that allow for us to, you know, produce a consistent controlled substance. It's not going to hurt anybody. And that's going to be sold in an ethical and responsible manner. And then the entire issue of like, oh, yeah, but I've been growing weed for like 30 years and I've got a brand and like that guy over there is trying to say his weed is like my weed, but it's not. And you don't really know that much about weed yet. And I get that. But you should probably arbitrate the difference between us because I've been doing this a lot longer and I got the creds, man. And then that was an illegal activity (laughs) in the first place. Yeah, it's a a hard thing to do. It's wild. And it's funny because we saw the first shots fired between the open wild west of cannabis and establish intellectual property when Gorilla Glue turned around into the strain and says, hey, stop that. Yeah, not, Call yourself not something different. Glue. We're Gorilla Glue. You're whatever you are. GG4, man. And, uh, and Girl Scout cookies became GSC. And, you know, there's no doubt going to be many instances. And I, these days, you, you don't see that kind of blatant or in the larger uh, entities in the cannabis space, you don't see that kind of blatant um, disrespect of IP, but <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, there's lots of nuances there. Lots of nuances you there. So we'll find out. I was going to, I was right about to accuse Gorilla Glue of being a narc, but they have a, they have a legal re- responsibility because they are a product that can be huffed and they need, and to, to, to your great detriment. And they don't want that cross promotion to make you think, oh yeah, I should huff Gorilla Glue. Yeah. They're like, no, 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 that's the other guys. That's not us. Like, we, okay, we need to stop this guys. Because otherwise I was, I was going to call them out. I'm like, Gorilla Glue, just be cool. 
Make friends. Make love, not war, man. Make yeah, love, not war. You would want them to be beside each other in, in the aisle, that's no. for sure, in the checkout aisle. I've always thought it was a pretty strange name for cannabis. Like, it never doesn't make me interested to consume cannabis. Um, but this, this strain, they'd say this strain is the sticky icky. <laughs> that's actual glue, sir. I see. Right? Oh, dude. Really exciting. Cuphead is coming out on Switch. Oh, the Prince of Cups. Yeah, it's coming out in two days on Switch. This is a game. This is a game that was all the hype about a year and a half ago that, um, I was bummed out beyond all recognition for not being able to play it because it was on Xbox and Microsoft. Yeah. And all of the swag came, all of the pop figures came, Cuphead was everywhere, it died down, and now it's back, man, and it's back on the Switch. Yeah. Cool that uh, Microsoft, quote-unquote exclusive, was indie enough to to have some movement. But, uh, you know, Microsoft is usually a teeny bit cooler than, say, PlayStation about letting their titles... Uh, you know, check other pastures out. Yeah, man. I mean, so the the so you know, for a game with so much style and so much uh, strength in their graphic design, um, I'm gonna go ahead and say there's no way that they wouldn't have done a physical uh, copy of this. And the physical copy looks straight up dope. It's got that fifty, you know, that fifties vibe to it. Um, yeah, just uh, overall, this is this is something you'll be seeing in our in our Instagram feed. Uh, I'm pumped about this one. Nice, nice, yeah. Some other great stuff coming out in April. Um, we won't spend too much time. Again, we're running a little bit long, but what do we got here? Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy X and X2, um, HD remaster came out for Switch and Xbox One today. Awesome. Um, I see Dragon's Dogma is coming out for Switch on April 23rd. Wild. Awesome. Another yeah, game that wild. deserves a second chance. Had a rough start. Sure. Totally worth playing that game. It's it's the middle ground between The Witcher and like um, uh, Monster Hunter World, I feel like. A lot of, lot of goodness in there. Yeah, I mean, I can see where you're coming from with that. Mortal Kombat 11 is coming out, which like, damn. How did we miss all these games, Dan? 420. 420 uh, show next week. <laughs> Boom. We got we got to get deep into these. We'll 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 kind of skip on by because we're uh, we're we're running over time here. But um, is there anything else we want to talk about, Dan? I'm so energetic. I want to bounce. I just want to go. I want to go for a walk. Tell me about go for a stroll. Tell me about Final Fantasy XII: The Zodiac Age. What what is that? Mm, I don't know. All right, cool. <laughs> With no you. idea. Final. We'll find out. Stay tuned next time. <laughs> we'll we find get out. this information anywhere else. Purple Dungeon Squid only, friends. You'll find out about Final Fantasy Zodiac. Ready to go. Um, okay, dude, before we get out of here, uh, I wanted to mention one other thing. Really neat documentary coming out on 420 on Switch. On Switch. Oh, my God. On Netflix. <laughs> on Netflix, there is a sweet documentary coming out called Grass is Greener and features folks like Snoop Doggy Dog, da-da-da, Chuck D, Killer Mike, Directed by Fab Five Freddy, the film itself is being put out at a pretty clutch moment where you've got the legalization of cannabis happening right now, um, and there's still a conversation that's a bit unresolved that talks about the lengthy uh, history of cannabis and its uh, its impact on minority groups, inequality, criminal justice, 
pretty interesting. Wow. So I'm cool. going to be taking a taking a boo at that on 420. I think uh, you know, pay some respect to the to the rich history um, that cannabis has had or struggle that it's had in in uh, America and abroad. Yeah. So check it out on Netflix. That's a good one. Okay, dude. We gotta we gotta park this thing in the station. Yes, sir. Um, listener questions or games you want us to play? Hit us up. Purple Dungeon Squid at gmail.com. And tell one of your close compatriots about this little thing we're doing here. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Yes, sir. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Purple Dungeon Squid. Until next time. Keep it dank, my friend. Fuck, I am high.